Hi, and welcome to another episode of A Shot Glass of Recovery with your host, Julie, half of the dynamic duo that brings you the podcast, Two Sober Chicks. Hello, lovelies. How are you? I hope you're well. I'm still in Nashville with my Tennessean husband. Uh, Today, I wanted to talk a little bit about the three legacies. So, oh, by the way, if you don't know, I got married 11 days after I met this man. And I still haven't talked to my sponsor about it, by the way. I'm talking to her this afternoon. Uh, But I will let you know what she says because she always has good things to say. I have realized, by the way, that um, based on the range of reactions I've gotten, that applying steps one, two, three has been very helpful. I'm powerless over other people's reactions to me thoughts feelings and opinions god is the answer i release all to god that's how any problem is really anything we find ourselves powerless over which is almost everything okay so now i want to talk a little bit about the three legacies of aa so if you know the aa symbol it is a triangle inside of a circle and in the front of the big book it explains actually let me get mine I have the little travel AA book, so I don't know if it's in here. Um, I don't travel with my big book, big book. Oh, it's not in here. Okay, so it's a triangle inside of a circle, and each triangle represents one of the legacies. And the legacies are recovery, unity, and service. So the recovery component is the suggestions for recovery, which are the 12 steps. The unity side of the triangle is the suggestions for achieving unity, which are the 12 traditions. And the last angle of the triangle is for uh, service. And that represents the suggestions for service, which are described in the 12 concepts for world service. Now, this all comes from an AA publication called the AA Service Manual and Alcoholics Anonymous Comes of Age. Um... There's also another one on AA.org, which is the AA's Legacy of Service, written by Bill W. And it answers the question, what is the basic AA service, the fellowship's responsibility, the pioneer's battle for the big book, news stories and sudden AA growth, beginnings of group and world services, origin of the 12 traditions, GSO, which is the General Service Office, and birth of the General Service Conference. So you can look at this pamphlet, uh, but I'm going to read some of it to you and comment. Recovery, unity, service. These are the three legacies given to the whole membership of AA by its founders and their fellow old timers. When this heritage was announced at the St. Louis Convention in 1955, celebrating AA's 20th birthday, Dr. Bob was already gone, but Bill W. spoke for him and the other pioneers, as well as for himself, in turning over to all of us the responsibility for AA's continuation and growth. What an amazing moment, huh? Handing over the torch. The AA Service Manual, current version of the handbook first known as the Third Legacy Manual, may seem to simply be a guide to organization and procedure, and its approach is indeed practical. At the same time, it is based firmly upon spiritual principles, as Bill explains in his introduction to the manual, reprinted here to recall the development of our Third Legacy. 
So it goes into the legacy of service. The reason service is so important is because ours is an altruistic society, meaning charitable, outside of ourselves, doing for others. And that's what keeps us sober. I wrote out, actually, I'm going to read this too. I wrote out a craving plan for one of my sponsees. So we came up with this together. I sent a picture to her. The purpose is to put this on a fridge or on the back of a door or in your wallet so that when you have, it's not even a craving, it's so beyond a craving, when you have a compulsion to look at this list. So this list for her reads as follows. When she has a compulsion, number one, pray. If that doesn't work, number two, drink a glass of water. If that doesn't work, number three, eat. It's fine if it's chocolate. Number four, go for a walk or be in nature. Number five, text a group of people and say you have a compulsion to drink. A group of people in recovery that you trust. Whip off a group text. Number six, call Julie or your sponsor. Number seven, admit out loud steps one, two, three. So admit out loud. I am powerless over this compulsion. Step two, remind yourself only God can help you. God, I know you are the only solution because no human aid could have relieved my alcoholism. And then number three, turn it over. Get on your knees. Say that serenity prayer. Ask God to help you. The next thing on the, the compulsion plan, ha- get a mental distraction. So read a book, do embroidery, garden, um, do something to focus your attention on. Clean. Um, shave your legs. Do your nails. I don't know. Next on the list, listen to a podcast. Listen to me. Listen to a podcast greater than yourself, which is, oh my gosh, it's so good. I love these guys so much. Fred and John Barleycorn. Um, I really enjoyed being a guest on their show recently, and it's my second favorite recovery podcast. But Google them. Google recovery podcast. Listen to a a recovery podcast of any kind because it's kind of like a little mini meeting. And the last one was look, look at your Instagram or Facebook or Twitter and look at some of the recovery meme accounts because they're hilarious. And laughing and being able to see us for what we are really brings us out of ourselves. So I don't remember. There's like sober AF. There's, um, uh, what was the other one I really love? Fucking sober is really funny. Just search them, Google them in whatever social media app you have. So that's the craving plan we decided for her and maybe have one for yourself. Okay, so, oh yeah, whoops, I forgot to put that one in. Let's do this. The last one I'll send to her, be of service. So that's how I connected this. We're talking about the AA's a legacy of service. We need service because we are, as our book tells us, selfish, self-centered, and self-seeking, and love self-pity. And service is an outward expression. So we lose focus on ourselves. It's almost like flipping the mirror going like a camera, the mirror inside, flipping it towards the outside instead of the inside. So let's hear what Bill has to say a little bit on the legacy of service. Our 12th step, carrying the message, is the basic service that the AA Fellowship gives. This is our principal aim and the main reason for our existence. Therefore, AA is more than a set of principles. It is a society of alcoholics in action. 
We must carry the message, else we ourselves can wither and those who haven't been given the truth may die. Hence, an AA service is anything whatever that helps us to reach a fellow sufferer, ranging all the way from the 12th step itself to a 10-cent phone call and a cup of coffee and to AA's general service office for national and international action. The sum total of all these services is our third legacy of service. Services include meeting places, hospital cooperation, and intergroup offices. They mean pamphlets, books, and good publicity of almost every description. They call for committees, delegates, trustees, and conferences. And not to be forgotten, they need voluntary money contributions from within the fellowship. These services, whether performed by individuals, groups, areas, or AA as a whole, are utterly vital to our existence and growth. Nor can we make AA more simple by abolishing such services. We would only be asking for complication and confusion. Concerning any given service, we therefore pose but one question. Is this service really needed? If it is, then maintain it we must, or fail in our mission to those who need and seek AA. The most vital, yet least understood, group of services that AA has are those that enable us to function as a whole, namely the General Service Office, AA World Services, Inc., the AA Grapevine, Inc., which is our little AA magazine. Check it out if you haven't already. It's awesome. And our Board of Trustees, known legally as the General Service Board of Alcoholics Anonymous. Our worldwide unity and much of our growth since early times are directly traceable to this cluster of life-giving activities. Until 1950, these overall services were the sole function of a few old-time AAs, several non-alcoholic friends, Dr. Bob and me, Bill. For all the years of AA's infancy, we old-timers had been the self-appointed trustees for Alcoholics Anonymous. I mean, doesn't that just melt your heart? These dudes got together because they just wanted people like them to stop suffering. Fellowship ready for responsibility. At this time, we realized that AA had grown up, that our fellowship was ready and able to take these responsibilities from us. I just think that's so cute. It's like they grew the group and they're like, okay, little birdies, it's time for you to fly on your own. There was also another urgent reason for change. Since we old-timers couldn't live on forever, newer trustees would be virtually unknown to the AA groups now spread over the whole earth. Without direct linkage to AA, future trustees couldn't possibly function alone. So he goes a little bit into what that looked like, which you can check out on the AA website. I'm feeling drawn to move on from that. And see what else is in this pamphlet. Maybe nothing. Okay. AA grows to 2,000 members. Isn't that so sweet? That was in 1940. 2,000. I mean, go to a world conference with 50,000 drunks in recovery. And it's like the scale and scope and the awe that I felt seeing all those alcoholics happy, joyous, and free celebrating recovery was overwhelming. 
Jack Alexander. I have talked about that before. If you haven't done so, Google Jack Alexander Saturday Evening Post Alcoholics Anonymous. It's a really cool article that was written in 1941 by Jack Alexander talking about the fellowship of AA. Super cool. Service to the whole of AA. Traditions took persuasion. Okay, let's look at that. The first reception of the 12 traditions was interesting and amusing. The reaction was mixed, to say the least. Only groups in dire trouble took them seriously. If you're not aware of this, the 12 traditions are, as I said earlier, what keeps our groups running in a really good stream of continuity so that no matter where you go, each group is run the same and you can expect the same things. It helps us just stick to a a governing body of rules so that we don't go off the rails. Our only groups in dire trouble took them seriously. From some quarters, there was a violent reaction, especially from groups that had long lists of protective rules and regulations. There was much indifference. Several of our intellectual members cried loudly that the traditions reflected nothing more than the sum of my own hopes and fears for Alcoholics Anonymous. Therefore, I began to travel and talk a lot about the new traditions. People were at first politely attentive, though it must be confessed that some did go to sleep during my early harangues. But after a while, I got letters containing sentiments like this. Bill, we'd love to have you come and speak. Do tell us where you used to hide your bottles and all about that big hot flash spiritual experience of yours. But for heaven's sake, please don't talk anymore about those blasted traditions. Time presently changed all that. Only five years later, several thousand AA members meeting at the 1950 Cleveland Convention declared that AA's 12 traditions constituted the platform upon which our fellowship could best function and hold together in unity for all time to come. I love that. Um, Anonymity, GSO services, birth of the conference... Ooh, this is cool. Birth of the conference. I've been to One World Conference. It was amazing. Due to COVID, this year's conference was canceled and that was disappointing. It was one thing to say that we ought to have a general service conference, but it was quite another to devise a plan which would bring it into successful existence. The cost of holding one was easily dismissed, but how on earth were we going to cut down destructive politics with all its usual struggles for prestige and vainglory? How many delegates would be required and from where should they come? Arrived at New York, how could they be related to the Board of Trustees? What would be their actual powers and duties? With these several weighty considerations in mind and with some misgivings, I commenced work on a draft of a plan much assisted by Helen B., an AA staff member. Though the conference might be later enlarged to include the whole world, and it does, we felt that the first delegates should come from the U.S. and Canada only. Each state and province might be allowed one delegate. Those containing heavy AA populations could have additional delegates. To give the conference continuity, delegates could be divided into panels. An odd-numbered panel, panel one, elected for two years, would be invited for 1951 the first year. An even-numbered panel, panel two, elected for two years, would be seated in 1952. This is boring. Anyways, next. Um... Oh, and then it just ends with the AA Declaration of Unity or the Responsibility Pledge. I am responsible when anyone, anywhere reaches out for help. I want the hand of AA always to be there. And for that, I am responsible. 
So I hope you enjoyed the Three Legacies podcast. I hope the uh, compulsion plan is an idea that maybe will take root in you. Write one out, even if you're not the kind of person that needs a compulsion plan. It's always handy to have and handy to pass along to someone who might be struggling. I thank you so much for listening to this podcast. It is an absolute joy to talk to you almost, I mean, several times a week. And I hope wherever this podcast finds you, you are well and your recovery is going well. And if not, please do keep coming back.